All right, welcome back to another episode of the Adventist City Ministries podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Jeff. How have you been, Jeff? It's the summer months and things are getting hotter here. Yeah, pretty good. I just am um, coming off a week's vacation, so I'm feeling pretty excited about getting started here again. Yeah, I've been working on a few projects and uh, just grinding through some things, but I'm really glad we're here to talk about the gospel again and what it means for us and, and how we can find comfort and peace in what Jesus has done on our behalf. Yeah, I'm really excited, Andrew, about getting into some of the specific um, concepts uh, related to the gospel and and just kind of flesh them out a little bit so that we all have an understanding of all the wonderful things God has done for us. Yeah, so for the the past episodes, we've really tried to focus on how Jesus has has done all these things for us and we ha- how we don't have any part in it. So all of his righteousness, all of his goodness, his deeds, his works. And so we want to go back and focus on some very sp- specific points in his life all along the, the timeline of his history. So we'll start at his, uh, even before his birth, but the, what we can call the Council of Peace, and then we'll go through his birth and his life and the cross, his death and resurrection, and even the ascension. So we want to take all those points and, and look at them under a magnifying glass and, and see how it affects our life here and now, what it means for us today, how we apply it. Yeah, I, I think historically people have looked long and hard at the cross, and so, and so it should be. It's the epicenter of all the, you know, that needed to take place for sin to disappear. But all these other elements that you mentioned are important, and I, don't, I think we don't take enough time to consider how incredible they are uh, for us and on our behalf as uh, the, the, holy, the whole history of Jesus becomes ours. And uh, so it, it's good for us to take the time to study it and look at it carefully and know what we've been given in, in, in Christ. So yeah, we're going to start today, we're going to talk about some of the notions of, of what it meant for Jesus to come as a human being, and the word that's often used for that is the incarnation, and that's what we're going to talk about today in today's study. But before uh, Jesus ever came, the, the problem that was needing to be solved was considered by all of heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Bible teaches us that, you know, that occurred before the foundations of the world. Yeah, sometimes we have this notion within Christianity that God kind of forced Jesus to come to the earth and be part of this, you know, and basically put put the Son under some type of uh, subjugation rather than allowing him to freely choose. But that's not really how the Bible portrays it at all. No, it's, it's more they came together and they, you know, made decisions about the roles that they would play in the salvation of man. And they moved on the council or the decisions that they made. And uh, I don't think it was easier or harder on any one of them uh, as to what they were set out to do. It's just magnificent to think that before, if it was before the foundations of the world, it was before sin happened that they already had planned um, to have a solution to it. And that was because out of, because what First John chapter 4 tells us, and that, that is that God is love, this God who is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, who saw that this was coming. He could have just said, well, let's not create them. But instead, he went through with it, knowing that uh, what would happen, but also providing 
for a way for us to receive redemption, even though uh, in Adam we all fell short. And that, that's the key to this, is to remember that the, the problem is, is that the sin that is upon the human race is the sin that comes from, uh, it's the wages of sin is death, we're taught by Paul. That's a, that's a, that's a universal law. It's, a, it's the law of the universe. So in other words, it's always been there, that if you sin, you get separated from the Father, you're separated from God, and that ultimately leads to death. And so what, what the Holy uh, God was doing was trying to find a way because he loved us so much that we wouldn't have to suffer that penalty even though it's deserved. Right, so we see the the way that God was able to think these things through and not just kind of leave us out in the open and kind of leave us to deal with the situation on our own, but by looking to where sin leads, he was able to make the choice, okay, I don't want my children to to be in this situation because I know that they can't get out of it. And so because of the law of love that, that God is is intrinsically part of who God is, you know, he he took that knowledge and he came together within himself, within, you know, the what we call the Trinity and and resolved that there would be this plan put into motion. And it would provide us a way out of sin and out of death and out of misery and all the all the other sorrowful things that come with sin. Amen. And 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 remember, last time we spoke, Andrew, we said that the gospel then, or the good news, is everything that God does on our behalf to pull us out from underneath the penalty of sin and to set us free from that. And so that's why we rejoice when we look at it, because many people are wondering in their lives, mm-hmm. well, they're not wondering about whether or not they're sinners. I think everybody can look, you know, if they take a careful look at their lives, they understand that there's something not right. Yeah, something's broken somewhere. Yes. And, it's, and I, you, yeah, you can see it throughout all of world and history and society, yeah. And that's a good word for today. It's, it's sort of that it's not just bent anymore. People are broken. And um, they, they sense that about themselves. And that's why this is really, really good news because this is a solution to our brokenness. And uh, God does it completely on his part. And he, all he seeks from us is faith to believe in that, to believe that that's true. And for uh, us to make ourselves available ultimately for his Holy Spirit to dwell within us to, to help to change us along the way. So today we're going to start from some of the verses that make us know what God's intention was. I'm going to read something from, from Matthew chapter 1. It says in verse 22, it says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then just to follow that up, um, 700 years earlier, before that actually occurred, in, in, before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we see that, uh, you know, God was, uh, heaven was letting us know before Jesus was ever born that God was coming to be with us. This was part of the plan. And it was going to be through 
the birth of a child from a virgin. And there are so many other, you know, uh, prophecies in the Old Testament that teach of this. But just if you just took that one alone and you realized that it happened, you know, that, uh, you know, a virgin conceived of the Holy Spirit and that child's name was God with us. Yeah, that, that phrase, God with us, I know it, we interpret it as God with us, but I believe it, I've heard somewhere that it can also be more akin to God among us, God in us. So not just like, oh, we, there's God over there and we see him and he's kind of this uh, like avatar of who God is, but actually to know that God is experiencing what we have to go through and he completely relates to it. But also the other part of that is God's holiness, his righteousness, his, his love is also with us. Not just that he's understanding on a, on a definitely a personal level what's going on, but we also get to experience who he is along with that. Yeah, I just, uh, and that's a good point, is it's more than just what it appears to be on the surface, but in, in, literally also in this case, and we've talked, uh, mentioned this before, this was God coming into a human cell and starting his existence in a virgin teenager. And that was part of the plan that we had talked about earlier, that this is, the, this is how it had to happen. And what an, enorm- uh, an enormous risk that was in that day, uh, especially with the fact that um, Mary was a virgin and the laws that were existing, you know, that she should have been stoned or, you know, there was so much risk involved, uh, but this was part of God's plan. And and Jesus was conceived in in the most uh, inauspicious circumstances, but it was God with us and it was part of the plan to change our circumstances so when, you know, it gives you a little bit of a different, like if you really think about it, it gives you a little bit of a different uh, take on the Christmas story, you know, as you concentrate on that part of it, or even the text with regards to the shepherds, it said, you know, that this, this was good news to right. us. I mean, if you could imagine those poor shepherds, um, the, the angelic host that came and spoke to them, were pretty excited, I would guess. Yeah, it says uh, in Luke 2, 11, or let's start in, in verse 10. It says in, in Luke 2, 10, it says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Yeah, and we can carefully look at that and exegete it, but there's basically the big point is this was good news or good tidings to all people, and that is because God had come and had connected himself to humanity. And we'll talk a bit about the um, theology of that, why that's so important. But let's just take a little more time to think about uh, the birth and you know, all the prophecies that pointed to Christ at this point, to, just to solidify in people's minds. Uh, we, can, we can talk about, uh, you know, I'll just list them. I'll just go through them. Through, it was to be through Abraham, according to Genesis 12. 
it was uh, the the genealogy of Jesus was to be through Abraham's son Isaac in Genesis 17, through through Jacob in Genesis 28, through Judah in 40, uh, Genesis 49, through the family of Jesse in Isaiah 11, through the house of David in Jeremiah 23. It was. Uh, we can also look at verses that teach us about the timing of his birth in Genesis 49, the place of his birth in Micah. He was born in the flesh, according to Isaiah. A star was to signal his birth in Numbers 24. He was to be a virgin birth, and he was to have a divine name. And that there would be presentations of gifts to him. I'm going through this for purpose because I want you to understand I'm a statistics guy, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, There was to be a massacre of children after his birth, according to Jeremiah 31. He was to escape into Egypt, according to Hosea 11. He would have his residence in Nazareth, according to Matthew, and his childhood would be lived in poverty, according to Isaiah 53, and he would be filled with the Spirit from his birth on. So some people um, like to put mathematical possibilities, but the odds, the odds against uh, one person fulfilling all of these 19 yeah. prophecies is beyond all mathematical possibility. It could never happen, no matter how much time was allotted, right. yet in Jesus Christ it did. Yeah, no matter how many quarters we have and could put them over the state of Texas <laughs> That's and right. send a blind man out there and have him pick up one and, oh, it's the one we marked. So, so the only thing we can say is this, this is a demonstration that that meeting that was held was one that demonstrated God's infinite knowledge and his infinite power. He was capable of foretelling the future, and he had the power to bring it about. And so that happened even if it meant that a virgin would conceive and bear a son of the Holy Spirit. God had a plan. Yeah. It's amazing to think that for all those hundreds of years, God was just really making this so very clear and giving all these uh, facts about what would happen and how precisely, hey, you guys should really keep an eye out for this because it's, it's my whole solution to the predicament you're in. And there were a few people who did, right? Right. There were... And we, we can praise the Lord for that because yeah. it's why we, have, really ha- why we have the New Testament. Right. But, you know, people like the wise men and uh, Anna and others who had been waiting for this moment in time and recognized Jesus when he arrived. It's kind of gives you kind of a, a feeling about the days we live in now is this, this we've been, been given as much prophetic information about the second coming. And are, are we ready? Are we looking? Are we paying attention uh, to the fact that it's coming soon? Uh, those are things that we always need to keep in mind in the back of our heads. Anyway, God had a plan. I'd like to read it to you. I find it in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 through 7. It goes like this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The beauty of that is, is, and I'll just kind of comment on the way, is, is that we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, and that, that takes into account his ascension. According, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we, sh- would, we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He t- took care of the sin problem, 
uh, in him, before him in love, we can stand. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, where Jesus is, our, is now our father, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is something that God wanted to do to the praise of the glory of the, his grace, wherein he hath accepted us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So the whole gospel is there. It takes into account all of the steps that we're going to talk about from, you know, the fact that he was born here to the fact that he gave his life and he is in heaven now bestowing upon us heavenly blessings. But what we need to know is this, again, pointing back to the fact that it all started uh, before the foundation of the world, and it was manifested through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it's referred to as the gospel. So we could say, make this statement, and I've heard other make this statement, that he was the redeemer before as he was after his incarnation. In other words, he took the role. And so... Um, right, what, so it wasn't just this afterthought of... no. I'll, well, I'll see where this goes, and maybe it'll, it'll end up in a good place. And one of my favorite writers says it this way, as soon as there was sin, there was a Savior. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the idea and the imagery of how when we fall into sin, is there's a door separating us you know, from God, but there he is knocking at our door. It's right. not he has chosen to be separated from us. It's we who choose to be separated from him. Right, just imagine that God is instantaneously reaching out to us, uh, you know, rather than the picture that we get sometimes where it's like, oh, well, I, I've sinned and I must, I, I guess I've, I have to feel separated from God now. And, and you know, that's, that's our, our, you know, our, our own uh, guilt kind of instructing that. But God is so much, so very different in that he, he knows that we need uh, healing in, in, in those moments. And so he makes a way for us, and he, he made an ultimate way. And it's really, really good news when you start to think about it, because I don't know about um, our listeners, but in my life, I've, I've often tried to figure out ways that I could make God happier about who I am and maybe accept me more. But as I study deeper and deeper into what his plan is, I realize that God has loved me with a love that is beyond measure already. It's not, I can't, no, there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. Even for people who don't accept God as their savior, he died for all of humanity and he loves them with that great love. And so that's sort of an unconditional thing. It's just that not everybody wants to take hold of it. Yeah, God, God loves everybody. You know, some, some people are really easy to love uh, according to human standards. Um, you know, there's, there's people that we love to help and we feel good about helping, you know, the homeless and the less fortunate and people in need. But then there's people that maybe don't have the obvious physical needs. And we, uh, you know, sometimes we can feel like we are uh, maybe there's, there's a bit of self-righteousness in our dislike of them. But even then, you know, God, God still loves those people, and he, he tells us and he even enables us to, to love all people, even, if we, even when we don't like them because of whatever position they, they may hold. Yeah, it really puts us in a different position, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. As we think about people, you, you walk down the street, especially, you know, I, 
in an urban setting, you know, there's lots of people on the sidewalk and you're walk, walking down the street and you realize instead of looking at people from their, the outside, from the extrinsic, you know, manifestations of who they are, you look and you say, well, that person is somebody Jesus died for. That person, everybody you pass is right. somebody that Jesus died for. Intentionally, he did it because he saw great and marvelous value in them. And then who am I to turn that around and make a judging distinction upon a person that I pass by? Right, yeah. Well, in the same way that God saw sin and had a plan for it, uh, we can do the same thing. You know, we waste so much time holding grudges and judging people and kind of mulling over uh, our own guilt and self-condemnation, you know. God is saying it's really much better to avoid that and just, you know, straight away you can show those people compassion and mercy and really save yourself a lot of time in the process. Yeah, because people are going to make mistakes. You know, sin still has its way with us. and, 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 And even those of us who have been called Christians for a better part of our life, we fall in and out of sin all the time. And Paul says it like this as he says the things i don't want to do i do the things i do want to do i don't you know and so we still that's still our experience in christ and so we shouldn't just we, we shouldn't think that about other people any different than what our own experience is and just realize that we're all sinners in need of a savior and a savior has been provided right in and jesus that, christ in the same way that he came to us we are then empowered to go to other people and to be you know, God for them, you know, to show them who God is yeah. and to be just as God is with us, we get to be with them. Yeah. And, and, and going back to the birth, you know, and, and as to, to, to consider that the God who created the universe, um, he's, he's the fullness of the Godhead. You know, he's, he's manifest in a helpless babe in a manger I mean, just that, it's sort of that Philippians chapter two, where he humbled himself, you know what I mean, to this situation uh, where Mm -hmm. the creator becomes part of the creation, so to speak. Right, and and in such a vulnerable state, and fragile and delicate, and yet God took care of of little baby Jesus in in those moments of his life when he could have been attacked and killed or, you know, something could have happened to him. But yeah, I think that says a lot for us and how and how God, how much God went through, but also what he, he wants to work in our lives and how he wants to serve us and protect us. Now, there's a lot of stuff in this, Andrew, and you probably admit it too, is, is I see it as very mysterious. Oh, I, you, you know, did you do, There's a lot of, as we, and we're going to spend a considerable amount of time talking about the theology of this and, and how it looks could possibly be. But I really believe that this is so, some of this is so mysterious that it will be something that we could study our lifetime here and probably into eternity and still be learning new things about it as God reveals it to us. But what we, what we do know is, is that um, somehow God and humanity came together in the birth of Jesus Christ, like the divine and the human. And and I know that it, the thing that I do know is, is that the reason it had to happen was to, so that men could be one with God. I know that that had to happen for that reason, but the mystery of the science of it and of the, 
the, the, the dichotomy that's presented when, when, when these, two, um, these two human natures came together in one person is there's a lot to be studied there. And so, um, you know, we'll try to keep it as simple as possible. And there's some of you are going to be listening and you're going to be saying, I wish they'd go deeper and deeper. And, uh, you know, maybe at some time down the road we can do that. But we're going to try to keep it simple to understand uh, for, for, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something we'll be looking at for the rest of eternity and something that we'll continually be gaining new understanding about and uh, something we'll be studying forever. And uh, it's something we'll be talking about next time. So Yeah, well, what we do know is, is that Jesus came and he was born a human child. He lived as a man uh, among other men. And yet at the same time, he was the Lord God Almighty. And so, um, so we, it, it's quite interesting to go through this. Okay, so uh, I think this is a good place for us to end for today and uh, just kind of touching on the idea of these two uh, opposite natures coming together. And next time, we'll go into that a lot deeper and see the, the differences that are evident from the Word of God showing the human part of Jesus and the God part of Jesus. So till next time, thank you, Andrew. All right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Visit AdventistCityMinistries.com for more resources, including a study guide, reference compilation, and free downloads of our book, The Ephesus Model. You can also listen to other presentations and episodes of this podcast. See the show notes for links and more information.